Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, plebs, plebets, more importantly, pleblings, because that is what we are here for today. The pleblings, those who are way younger than us that we are trying to educate in the field of Bitcoin. And this is what Chris and Frida have been inspired to do. Write another kid's book about Bitcoin, adding to the content that is slowly growing over the last year or two, where people have been inspired to write a story or create a game or create a video, whatever it is that the project has uh, you know, given to us to be able to share with kids why Bitcoin is so important and why their moms and dads might be going a little bit crazy and help them understand what we see and how it's going to shape their life. Now, really appreciate everybody that's doing work in this space and it's an honor to have this platform to, to bring these guys on and, and talk about their projects. Thanks again, guys, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Before we do the show, of course, I want to give some shout outs. Uh, you know who they are by now. SwanBitcoin.com forward slash bitten in the US will unlock a free 10 bucks. Go start stacking with those guys. Relay.ch forward slash bitten across Europe. Same deal. Actually, no, it's not the same deal. You'll save on commissions if you use that. And you can make your own affiliate links at all of these places. Uh, coincorner.com hit the link in the show notes you'll get a free 10 euros or pounds after your first 100 pound transaction bitcoin reserve a new on the block that's bitcoin reserve forward slash ref forward slash bitten go check out the guys they're doing amazing work they have a flash product and they have a white glove concierge product brilliant people doing great work in the bitcoin space You've got to take control of any Bitcoin that you think you own because you don't own it if it's not on a hardware wallet. So get the Bitbox 02, Bitcoin only edition from shiftcrypto.ch forward slash Bitten and get your tickets to Miami next year because all the plebs want to hang out. Use Bitten at checkout for 10% off. Here's Chris and Frieda. All right, we've got uh, Chris and Frieda on the Once Bitten podcast, the authors of Bitcoin for Kiddos. Great, great to see you guys. You Great. too. Great to have you. Thank you. All right, Lauren. Well, I must say she's been doing a bit of research before dinner and uh, she uh, even read it again twice, actually. Because three you, times. Three times before dinner. <laughs> she's getting Fantastic. Good. You're going to know the book better than I do here pretty very, soon. Very professional. Uh, and with Sophia as well, right? Your older sister. Did... Uh, no, she didn't. Oh, she didn't? No, she I fobbed me off? So. I, I don't know. She probably did just... Okay, I thought you were reading it together. Anyway, right, go on then. Go, go ahead. What, okay, what, what questions so, do you have? Um, why did you write the book for Bitcoin for Kiddos? That is a very good question. Um, the main reason why we wrote the book is because we have a couple of uh, young kids ourselves, and um, we wanted to create a tool that we could use to help uh, begin the conversation with them about what money is 
and how it can uh, best be used um, to, um, I guess, make your dreams and hopes come true in the future. Yeah, we have uh, our son, who's the oldest. He's turning four tomorrow. His name is Benjamin. And uh, he had started understanding that, you know, dollar bills buy certain things at the store. And so with that, you know, we really like wanted to make sure that he understands that there's more than just the dollar bill out there. And um, that's how we really started, you know, talking about how do we educate him on understanding more about what, you know, I guess mommy and daddy do. And so that's how the book came about. But really, um, you know, how it actually came about is um, I actually sat down with Chris and I was just like, Chris, you're good at writing. So you have to write this book for me so I can paint really cool pictures and make it, you know, available for the kids in this world and not just for our kids. Yeah, that's how it kind of came about. And then fast forward a year, the book was created. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so um, uh, so Frida, was it you that had the uh, the idea of the book? I think that I am, you know, in between Chris and I, I'm more like the pusher when it comes to getting stuff out there. But Chris is really good at like words and creativity. Um, I think we both are, but he just needs like a little kick to get the thing started. So I am the kicker in this relationship. <laughs> and so, and so, yeah, so I think like, it was just like, um, you know, for me, I hadn't been in, into Bitcoin as long as Chris had. And so for me, when I found out about what it is and actually understood for myself, you know, what it can do and how it can potentially help a lot of people, I was definitely on board to want to educate my kids around it, but also thought of other families that might not have the privilege of like a mom and dad that understand Bitcoin. And I was thinking about personal friends too, you know, that I could hand the book into that family and just, you know, be like, hey, you know, read this to your kids. And it could kind of be like a family event to learn together. Um, I did not, you know, I don't like learning in a forced matter. Like I was never like, you got to learn this and this is what we do today. Like I always kind of like venture out on my own. And so when it, you know, it took me a while longer than Chris, like I said, to actually discover what Bitcoin was. But once I understood, I was like, whoa, why is not everybody in this? And so that's kind of how, you know, I started talking to him about, you know, we need to just write this out very short and concise. And he kept asking me like, well, <laughs> it's not short and concise. Like, how do we do this? And then, you know, one night I, you know, we, I came downstairs and I was like, really need to do this. Like it's been in my brain for about like, four to five months before that and we kept talking about it and I just said we just need to start something and he literally sat down on the computer and in my eyes he wrote it within an hour but I think there's a little bit more of a backstory to actually him having all the knowledge somewhere I just needed to squeeze it out of him so that's how that came yeah. about persistence it's one of those uh <laughs> really important uh things that my wife has um, so I have to be careful with her because if I have an idea and I put it out into the world, she will make sure it happens. So I better make sure I really want it to happen. Otherwise, she will persist until it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Right, and uh, I think this is my last question. You're all business tonight. This is this is amazing, huh? Uh, yeah. uh, so, uh, what is your favorite part in the book? Ooh. You want to start? Yeah, uh, my favorite part. I every time I see the page with the uh, with the two miners and they're um, mining for gold, and they come across this big stash of cash. Mm -hmm. uh, um in the mine and the one guy says to the other guy are we rich yeah you know to, to me i think it's it's very funny because all all paper money is is it's it doesn't it's not real it's not real value um it's not attached to anything so it's kind of a sarcastic uh approach at um helping people understand that currency is not money. Um, it uh, it it's a it's a claim on money, but it's not money. So that that's my favorite page. My favorite page is the one that um, the rabbit actually looks down the rabbit hole at the other rabbit that's reading the Bitcoin standard. <laughs> yeah, we're looking at that one just now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I I love that one because it just has a lot of like things in there that maybe only a Bitcoiner would understand, but it's interesting for other people to get into. And then, you know, it also has like little things to some movie references that might people yeah. get or others won't. So there's some little hidden gems in there and I really love creating that page. Yeah, there was uh, quite a bit of discussion about whether or not we should have the rat laying on a uh, bed of, of cash. And uh, <laughs> I was pretty adamant that uh, that rat had to be laying in a bed of cash. <laughs> so that was fun and yeah. then uh, when you get older and you get a chance to watch the movie uh idiocracy um with luke wilson there's a character in there called uh, uh president camacho and uh, it's a futuristic look at um what the world could could become and uh, it's a comedy and it's very funny and uh in our in our book president camacho wins wins the presidency and uh, after you've seen the movie, you that's funny because <laughs> it's. I happening. haven't seen it. I'm gonna watch it. I've okay. not seen it. So uh, yeah, I I, I missed I missed that reference, but now I know. Yeah, and I've got to watch. I'll send it. you some stuff on it. <laughs> Who? Um. So why is that? Why it's a a rat and a bunny? Well, obviously, the bunny is the the Bitcoin rabbit, but uh, the rat was. That yeah, the rat the is kind through. of like, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, us people living in the rat race and kind of mm -hmm. being stuck in the in the cage of the uh, the fiat system and struggling very hard, being being very smart, but struggling very hard to get ahead and always having a challenge doing it. And the rabbit, well, you know, Bitcoin and bunny, they rhyme. So that made it a little bit easier. But the idea behind a bunny um, and the way they uh, um you know, propagate and they grow and they have more bunnies and this and it's just like this um, expansion of, of of Bitcoin throughout the world, um, similar to how bunnies reproduce. Yeah, and and Chris really came up with the rat initially. Like the rat was always part of it. Like the rat raised the money. I was thinking of him like like a banker. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then like and then the 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 bunny came in came in later. I I'm proud to say that I came up with the bunny. I love the bunny. He's like my favorite character in this book. 
Yeah, uh, actually, you know, it's pretty funny. I made a story about a bunny when I was little. I was just like, oh, look, that's the bunny. Oh, <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah. Poofy the bunny rabbit. Uh, and ever, ever, uh, when we ever see a bunny in the garden, we're like, oh, look, that's Poofy. It's, oh, it's, no. a famous, <laughs> it's a famous reference and yeah. uh, rabbit story within the family. Yeah. Forever. No. And now, and now, <laughs> look, and you, you you see this, and you think Poofy got on the uh, on the real book, <laughs> especially with his tail up in the air, looking down the rabbit hole, because yeah, uh, yeah we we see white tails on rabbits' bums all the time, like exactly like that. Yeah. <laughs> Where we live. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, great questions. Thank well, you. hold on. I'm very I have impressed. a question for Lauren. Okay. Yeah. What, what was your favorite page in the book? Okay, so um, you know Frida's page. The one we were just talking about, looking down the rabbit hole. The the Mm -hmm. one right next to it is is my favorite. The volcano mining. Not just because of that, but because of the sentence. It's, but the people you see were smarter than that. And something inside of them kept saying, I smell a rat. That was my favorite sentence. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah, I like that sentence too. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. And I love the volcano mining. Mm. Yeah, it was uh, very... It was a very timely moment when uh, I was thinking about the book and writing the book and that was happening in El Salvador and then thinking about all the hydroelectric that uh, that happens in China and in Iceland with the geothermal and um, how there's so much environmental um, uh, friendly energy that's being used in mining that really isn't being talked about um, or it's kind of being lied about, if you will. You know, I was talking with a, um, uh, a gentleman here in the United States that works with um, helping uh, oil, uh, the oil industry set up miners outside of their fracking facilities and repiping of the flare gas. And I asked him, I said, you know, with this big ESG conversation that's happening right now, is that something that comes up in the meetings when you're talking with these companies? And he goes, yes, it comes up very frequently. And actually, um, the, mine, the, the companies that are setting up these miners, they get carbon credits to offset uh, that because it's being repurposed. So, you know, in that respect, Bitcoin is actually helping the environment where everybody's talking about how it's hurting the environment. It's the complete opposite of what's really happening. And so I think that story needs to get told more. It's important, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for your questions. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you finished? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to say good night to these guys yeah. then? Yeah. Bye. Good night. Bye. Good night. Bye, Lauren. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, great, yeah. great work. It's great to see another uh, piece of content out there for kids. Um, we're all suckers for Bitcoin rabbit hole stories, though. So we, we've got to go there, and especially <laughs> especially considering, Frida, you said earlier you were a little bit behind uh, understanding. So so Chris was obviously first to the um, first to the rabbit hole, falling down there, and that can do a weird thing in itself to a relationship. Uh, and there's probably lots of plebs sitting there listening to this right now on the male side of things, just wishing their spouse was or their their partner in their life was as far down the rabbit hole, or at least looking down it as they are, because it can cause a lot of friction. It changes everything about 
you as a person. It changes everything about your political views, it changes everything about like the, the way you view education, the, the health system. Complete 180 on the person you married, essentially. And yep. if, as that person's going through the transformation, it can definitely cause some um, some weird, weird times, uh, especially if kids are involved as well uh, at school age. Uh, you know, I get a lot of um, DMs from people talking about, you know, the and this is always the reverse of what I've seen in the homeschool community. Usually the homeschool community, uh, you find it's been the, the mother that has driven the kind of initiative to take the kids out of school because they're always the ones so close to the nest, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, and, you know, the, the poor rat man is out just earning the cash, right, on the hamster wheel. That's exactly how it was going down in our relationship. My wife was on at me for ages, like, there's something wrong here with our kids' education. I couldn't listen to it. Now yeah. I'm finding in the Bitcoin space, because so many plebs here are, are male, and they're they're listening to my show and others um, talking about you know fiat education and this kind of um, problem, and they're falling down the rabbit hole of oh shit, we should really look at taking the kids out of school, but that is just being met with uh, like a, a complete stone wall from from the mother who is happy with you know the, the the status quo and happy with the situation and it's all about get the certificates put your head down do the right thing and you'll get the diploma or the degree or the PhD and then you go and live the American dream, whatever. So I'd love to unpack that on, on both of your side of the story. So if, if I start with Chris, if, if you found Bitcoin first, you know, how, how did you find it? How far ahead of you were you? And, uh, and then Frida, what kind of changes had you started noticing in Chris? Yeah, um, I think, you know, I was, I was always on the search for it. Um, I've been in sales most of my life, trying to learn as much as I could about business and finance, small corporations, large corporations. I didn't care. I just wanted to understand how it all worked. And um, in early 2000s, I was having a conversation with my dad and we were talking about China and uh, money came up. And I had mentioned that I thought if the whole world was going to finally get along, I think we needed to have a common world money. And, you know, maybe that was my influence in Star Trek at the time. And, you know, a lot of that big into sci-fi, you know, the world at some point in the future is always, you know, it's one world. It's not so much uh, individual country oriented. Um, you know, uh, the uh, earth goes out into the, into the galaxy as a united front for, for good on the, in the world. But on our planet, it doesn't happen that way. And in a lot of cases, wars, uh, I'm, I'm a big studier of, uh, of history, especially ancient history. I love the, the Greeks, the Romans, the Egyptians, the, the Persians, the, just, just how that all unfolded. And, you know, you learn about something like the Solidus coin, which was like the, the coin when um, uh, Rome was split into two after a Caesar had two sons. And rather than giving one of the sons entire reign, he split the, the, the country in half. And um, one son believed in kind of the more today's, you know, fiat terms where he was devaluing in order to pay. And the other son um, created the Salidas coin, which was used for, you know, 400 years of stability in, the, in, in his part of Rome and uh, never got devalued and, and wealth and prosperity in that part of, of the country continued to grow. And so that idea always kind of stuck with me. And then... Um, we were having this conversation about 
uh, you know, what money is and whether or not it could be something that a whole world could get behind and get rid of this whole exchange rate and everybody just have one currency and one money and, and work that way. And uh, we had some differences of opinions and then kind of stuck in the back of my head, but I didn't really do anything with until, you know, 2013 when I was listening to CNBC and I, I heard about Bitcoin for the first time. And they were talking about it being a digital asset and how it had gone from zero to $300 and how, but there was Silk Road, there was Mt. Gox, there was all of these uh, inscrutable, you know, bad actors in the space and uh, money laundering and using to buy drugs. And it just, it just seemed like, ah, it's too new. This is never going to work. You know, I didn't, I didn't really pay much attention to it. And then in 2017, I was taking a hike with a buddy of mine and he uh, was, was big into to finance, uh, kind of a conspiracy theorist, if you will. Um, and he brought up Bitcoin to me and I was like, oh no, Bitcoin. And I, I, I had been a financial advisor and I, my, my background is in education is in finance. And I was like, oh, that's never going to work. You know, the governments are never going to let that happen. The banks are never going to let that happen. This is never going to work. And he goes, I think you should just take another look at it. So I promised him that I would. And uh, over the next couple of weeks, I started doing some research on it and reading the white paper and kind of going down the central bank rabbit hole. And I picked up a copy of uh, Creature from Jekyll Island. And it just, you know, as, as you know, it's, it's, it's this snowball. It's this cascading effect. It's this one little thing that gives you that last little push to start your journey. And that journey goes in a thousand different directions over, uh, you know, over uh, countless years. It never ends. And uh, there's just always something new to learn. And then, you know, you know, now fast forward to now. And we're both totally orange filled, both maxis, um, try to hold as little in fiat as possible. Um, I was actually having a conversation with my financial advisor yesterday. I have one last little uh, IRA that I rolled over from an old job that I have in a gold fund. And I was like, hey, I wanna take this money here. Or I said, can I, can I exchange out of um, this mutual fund? Can I buy individual stocks with this? And he goes, yeah, sure, what do you, you, know, what do you want? And I said, I want you to sell this gold fund and I want you to buy you know, Mara and Riot with it, just 50-50. <laughs> he texts me back and he goes, that's a terrible idea. You know, call me tomorrow. <laughs> and I can't do this via text. And I can't do this via text. <laughs> So I said, okay. So I gave him a call and we had about an hour long conversation and uh, I really respect his opinion, but I was I'm like, you know, you're gonna have a hard time talking me out of this. You know, I spent too many hours down this rabbit hole. I know too much stuff. Uh, and it's just, I, I, I ethically can no longer continue to put our future into a system that I know is unethical and is hurting so many people. Mm -hmm. um, uh, kind of on, on a small little rant, like I was listening to a podcast this morning and they were talking about the cotillion effect. And I apologize, I can't remember the guy's name who was talking about it, but he was he, he had brought something up in a way I hadn't understood it before about it. And with the cotillion effect being the people closest to the money printer have the, the, the best access and the best availability to the money, so they, they buy things. And in, under the idea of the cotillion effect, what's happening is the people who are getting the money first they're able to spend that money without the feeling of purchasing power or inflation devaluing that money. It's not until that money gets further down the system, down to the lower middle class systems where that inflation has started to come 
has started to rise. So then the people down at the bottom that are using that same money to buy goods and services, they're the ones who are getting the most affected by this. That, that tax is on them. And uh, you think about it, but until you actually hear it or have somebody connect those two pieces and get that aha moment, um, it, was, it, was, it was really a special, uh, a special moment this morning to understand it that way, because it, it brings a whole new meaning to it for me. Yeah, it's um, crazy when those little uh, sparks light up in your mind and all of those, you know, dots connect and the stars align. It's just, whoa, it, it's, it, I've, I've had so many epiphanies like that. And, and they, you know, daily almost, it, it's, it's crazy. It just doesn't end. Um, so, yeah, it's funny. I, I think we've, we've trod the same path with our financial advisors. <laughs> I, I did the exact same thing with mine. I'm like, right, get rid of all of these short ETFs and get rid of all of that gold mining stuff that you put me into legacy stuff. This was like a couple of years ago. Um, no, it's just after um, MicroStrategy announced. I might just put it all in MicroStrategy because I can only buy stocks <laughs> within this fund, right? I, I just just yeah. that. And he was like on the phone, like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> okay, check back in a year, we'll see. Uh, and yeah. Once you have that conviction and once you see it, um, there's there's no going back. So Frida, whilst all of this was going on, yeah, you must be busy kind of thinking, all right, I'm mom to two young kids here and my husband's going a bit fucking crazy. Like, you know, what <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> what, yeah. what what yeah. how how did it look from from your viewpoint? Um so we had we had Benjamin at the time, Emma wasn't oh, born. No. Oh, you still there? Yeah, we're still here. We're still here. Oh. I, I've lost your video. That's all. Uh, I've still got yeah, your I'll, audio. I'll bring it back here. Okay. okay. Yeah, so we had uh, Benjamin at the time. So we had one young kid. Um, now, Chris and I have known each other for a long, long time. Like we've known each other since we were 16 years old. And um, we, therefore, we know each other very well in our little, you know, behaviors, I guess. And Chris had always been in money. Like he's always wanted to research money, always wanted to research companies, always wanted to research how it works. He would talk my ear off about it. And when we first met, we couldn't be further apart when it came to that subject. I grew up in a family that always had money, but never really talked about it. And I didn't really know what it was where it came from, all I understood is like, okay, you go to work and you make it and then you spend it on things. That's like my understanding of it. So when we first, um, you know, met, you know, there was, you know, it was like, the importance to me was like sort of making money, having money. Um, and then, you know, as he's dabbling more and more, you know, he's like investing here and there in the stock market, you know, so whatever he did with whatever the play money was that he set aside, I never really worried about too much, right? And so that's, I think, what it was for him at the beginning, even with Bitcoin, when he was starting, you know, it wasn't like major amounts of money. And so um, for me, the first time that it actually like impacted my home, so to speak, is um, we have, ever since the kids were born at least, we have the tradition to always eat dinner at the dinner table. And it's not to be interrupted by any television or devices or anything, right? So it's like, we talk as a family, we talk about our day. And some people might think this is weird, but it's just like such a, you know, <laughs> that's it, yeah. Um, and so one day we sit at the dinner table and Chris 
is on his phone and I'm like, okay, honey. It was early March, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, why do I feel, please? why do I feel Bitcoin Twitter has something to do with it? <laughs> I'm like, um, can you please put the phone away? And he's like, yeah, sorry. And you know, he still has it there and he's like, keep staring at it. And then he finally gets up from the table and he takes his phone and I was furious. I'm like, what is going, what can be so important right now that you have to walk away from this dinner table? And we had a little fight over it, you know? And then he tried to explain and reason with me. He tried to explain to me that, you know, Bitcoin just dropped and he had to buy more. And this was very crucial. Yeah. Frida, Bitcoin just went from $7,500 down to $2,900, you know, or $3,900. I got to buy it right now. I know you're angry with me. I don't care. Like, the the lasagna happening. can wait right now. I need to, yeah, I need to ape in on some Bitcoin. Yeah. So, so after that, we actually, you know, had some discussions about, you know, I was, you know, I come from a technical background a little bit where I'm a product manager um, at a tech company. So I, you know, I don't necessarily code myself, but I understand kind of the, the gist of things. And so, um, you know, after that, we had some discussions and I told them like, what makes this Bitcoin thing so special? Please explain it because I see all these shit coins out there, right? I kind of understood what crypto was at that point in that it's just like this, thing that people can just take out of thin air. And I was like, how is this different than, uh, than uh, the fiat money, right? And so this is when you know, he was like, okay, this is my chance to orange pill her. That's how it felt, at least in retrospect. <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, honey, was, pour yourself a glass of red. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so literally, I think it's this only like last, maybe it was like a couple of weeks from there that we took a trip up to a friend's house that lived like an hour and a half from here. And we always listen to some sort of podcast on the way up there. And he put on the Orange Pill podcast, an episode with Max and Stacy. That was the newest one. And it took me the hour and a half to listen to that. And then the hour and a half back listening to it, where I was just like, I think I, I get this a little bit more. Like I would, we would pause it. I would ask more questions. And it was really like the three hour car trip, so to speak, that Orange Pilled me. And then, you know, over the next week or so, I was just like, well, how much money do we have in there? And he told me the number. And I said, that's clearly not enough. So, <laughs> yeah. And I said, <laughs> yeah. I said you pussy, what were you doing? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that you're missing dinner. Like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, we went from there, like I forgot some savings accounts and, um, you know, wanted to make sure that we have as much in there as possible. You know, obviously read the white paper and all of that. And, um, you know, and it was something that was, it really felt good to be able to have each other in that too, to have that under, that huge background that Chris has and understanding of money and finances still to this day, you know, ask sometimes the dumbest questions. Money is not easy to learn if you, if you grow up without being raised with it. And in our society, I almost feel like it's on purpose. I mean, in my conspiracy theorist mind, it's on purpose that it is not being taught properly to our kids of what it is, the definition of it, you know, where it comes from. I mean, there's a lot of wishy-washy stuff going on when it comes around money, right? And it's like this, this subject that can't really be grasped for a reason. And, um, and so, yeah, so then it became very close to my heart. Like, I mean, mind you, I'd already been down the rabbit holes um, for the longest time with food industry. I'm originally from Germany, 
And um, food regulations over there are much different. Even when I came over here, you know, like now over 16 years ago, I permanently came to the United States. And I mean, just the food industry and how they produce, the standards are just so different than the United States. And it's changing slowly, slowly across the world now in different parts. Um, I know that you had interviewed Modern T-Man a while back and he speaks about this a lot too. And yeah, I'm definitely on the same page with him there. Um, and, you know, then having kids and looking at what they, you know, produce as so-called kids foods and it being something so addictive that even if I were to put it into my body, I would be addicted to it, you know, or it would make me just go berserk. Like you can, I mean, if I eat a lot, a lot of candy that like this traditional candy, which I don't do these days, but if I would, I would go crazy too. And I would have attention deficit disorders probably too, you know? So I came down that rabbit hole and actually, I would say indoctrinated Chris into my way of thinking when it came to the food. Yeah, she uh, she helped me with the diet. I helped her with the with the money. Yeah. So it's been a pretty good uh, marriage on multiple different levels. Uh, yeah, but, excellent. Uh, you know, yeah, like yeah, what she was talking about with the money. You know, one of the things that we always seem to have issue with is. When you ask somebody about money, they always tend to just say, I don't want to talk about that or ah, that's too complicated. Mm -hmm. I'll leave that to other people who care about that more. I'm trying to I'm trying to just live my life. And um, then if, if you can get them to go a little bit further in the conversation, they, they start saying more things like it's too complicated. I don't understand the math. I don't understand how the value proposition works. And, um, you know, in, in my opinion, I don't think money needs to be even that complex. You don't have to get into the math. You don't. You know, you don't have to know how to value a corporation. You don't know, have to know what the, the risk-free rate is or, you know, uh, the IRR or any of those other acronyms that we hear so much uh, in this space from a lot of the analysis, uh, the, the, the guys that do all the analysis um, that we all uh, love so much and learn so much about. But you can really take a pragmatic approach to it and just, just a visual approach to it, just see what you're, you know, remember what you're doing and try to relate back to it at a future date. Like when I was a kid, you could go to the soda machine and pop in a quarter, 25 cents, and you would get a full, you know, 12 ounce can of soda. Now it costs a dollar, a dollar 50 for that same 12 ounce can of soda. And if you want to go to the grocery store, you can't even find them anymore. It's all these little eight ounce cans of soda mm -hmm. that are the same price as what the old cans of soda used to cost. I mean, you don't, you don't have to be a rocket scientist or even have good grades in, in you know, second grade math to see that there's something wrong with that. Mm -hmm. And there's, there, there's no reason why that should, soda didn't get more valuable, you know? It got more chemicals in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It got shitter. It got more yeah. toxic. It's, yeah. um, and maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, but that quarter may have even been actual real silver and the dollar today is just God knows what. Basically. Yeah, I have a, I have a ton of quarters downstairs that I've saved, and whenever we go to church, I usually take them there and buy a, a donut that they sell there um, as as a way to get rid of them. And uh, when I found out that uh, you know it wasn't until maybe six years ago that I really learned that uh, silver used to quarters used to actually be made out of silver before a certain date. And I went through every single one of my quarters, you know, <laughs> quarters, checking the sides of it, you know, looking to see and see what the date on it was and not a single one. So well, it was the same with the nickel, wasn't it? Like the, 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 the five cent piece, that's what you call, isn't it? The nickel in, in the yeah. US. Yeah, um, I think it was. 
at, at a certain Fred. point, it was Kyle Bass loaded up on nickels because the price of nickel was going through the roof and it was more that the coin itself was actually worth more on the commodity market than the actual face value of the coin because okay. it was still made of nickel. Uh, you know, uh, I guess yeah. that was um, that was probably the 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 uptick in what do you nickel in these days? Maybe maybe the battery industry. I don't know, uh, but just another one of these like weird things that you can connect back to to money and like ah okay, how can that be worth five cents but actually be worth more on the open market of the base metal that it's uh, you know actually made from, uh, and just yeah. getting people thinking around that is is very difficult. It's, it truly is. And it's not a conspiracy theory, Frida. It isn't. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. come on. Who makes the curriculum? Who makes oh. it? Yeah. yeah. You know, I think, uh, you know, with what's going on right now, a lot of people are considering potentially homeschooling when they never had before, you know? I mean, we're pretty lucky here in California. There's a lot of people, believe it, within California, we're in Orange County. And um, Orange Bill old... County, I love it. <laughs> it really is kind of like a bubble because all of our friends live up in Los Angeles and just even them telling us their experiences going to the grocery stores are vastly different than what we see. I mean, up there, 100% of the people are wearing face masks. In Orange County, maybe 5% of the people are wearing face masks. And most of those people are employees of the, of the store that you're in. So... Uh, there's there's definitely a shift there. Um, you know, we're very lucky that uh, you know the United States is making a lot of changes towards down this uh, this this mandate road. But uh, you know, thank God there are still some federal judges out there that are um, really slowing this down as as much as possible. Um, you know, I'm just yeah. It's just as I mean, I don't know how much you want to talk about current events. You know, but um, it is. It is very sad looking at, you know, my home country, Germany and neighboring country like mm. Austria. It is, I mean, out of this it's, world right it's now. Unbelievable. Austria, how has no other country denounced this, by the way? Like, you know, I, if you if you go back three years, if they'd have pulled some shit like that, oh, heads yeah. of state would have been woken up at 3 a.m. in the morning by their aides <laughs> to say, you've got to get dressed, get in front of a camera and denounce what's going on in Austria against humanitarian issues. Like, get the fuck up, get on camera. Crickets, yeah. nothing, nothing I mean, from Aust anywhere. Australia and New Zealand are, yep. are pretty much in the exact same boat, you know, and those are much larger uh, economies and, and populations. And it's it's crazy. You know, they have these, you know, they're basically concentration camps or detention centers for people who are either flying into the country that need to be quarantined for whatever period of time or, you know, refuse to get vaccinated or, or whatnot. And these people are just being treated like like cattle, like like sheep, like they don't like they don't matter. And it's just, you know, there's always that there's that saying, you know, those that don't learn history are doomed to repeat it. And mm -hmm. growing up, you know, I, I loved learning about world war ii uh and world war one it was probably because it was uh you know uh you know born in the 80s i had grandparents who uh it affected their lives and um it was always something that as i was growing up in silicon valley one thing you learn is war tends to be that inspirational moment that progresses technologies so technologies get created for wartime out of necessity and then once the war is over, those technologies get uh, assimilated into day-to-day -day social 
um, situations, you know, like radar or, you know, like the internet, um, you know, like the phone, <laughs> you know, communications, um, these types of things. And um, World War II with everything that happened there and the, the atrocities that, uh, you know, the, the United States did to the Japanese, that the Japanese did to everybody, that the, the Germans did to everybody. Um, it's just, when you look back at the starting kernels of the decision-making processes that started the snowball that led to ultimate genocide, you see that we're right back there at the beginning of this again. And then for the United States to go out and tell China that, you know, we're, we're, we're ashamed of your atrocities and, you know, we denounce what you're doing in, in the news recently. It's like the hypocrisy is so blatantly obvious. You know, in one sense, they're going to they're going to downplay China because they're, you know, a, tr a trade uh, because of the trade issues. And at the same time, they're going to play up Australia's decision making processes. I mean, it is, uh, you know, when I grew up, I had the privilege to have a grandmother that um, lived through, obviously, World War II. And then also at a very young age, when I was in fifth grade. We actually had a gentleman visit for a whole week and tell us about his experience. He was Jewish um, of, of surviving the concentration camps. This was and in Germany when you were at school? This was in Germany, Germany when okay. I grew up, yeah. So Holy in shit. Germany, yeah. And in, in, in Germany, we had, a, um, you know, a, a, at least me, you know, born, being born in the early 80s, um, great schooling as to never repeat this history and great examples you know, in my art class, I was learning about, you know, what does pro propaganda art look like? And we would create it, and then we would create something that would be neutral and understand the difference and the nuances. And, uh, and mind you, even though I've learned all that, and I know people that learned all that, a lot of people cannot apply what was learned then to today. And I think it, it, it is a little bit because of the shaming that's going on in society to say, you cannot draw the parallels to what happened in history how dare you mm -hmm. and like i mean sorry how you can know, you know that's like a duck <laughs> yeah. that's like a duck looks like a duck you know and and you know the, it, I, I don't know i don't want to say i think you know there's a whole lot of to talk about in the whole world what's going on in all of the countries what i come back to is i want to like really really bring it to people's hearts to say if you have kids, if you have loved ones around you that are younger than you, if you have anybody that looks up to you as a role model, you have to stand up and do the right thing. Like shutting up and not doing anything is not gonna do it. I'm not telling you you have to go walk the streets, but I'm telling you when it comes down to the situation of protecting your child or saying the right thing in the right situation, you need to do it. I don't care how scared you are. That's just like really the message that I've been putting out around my friends. And, you know, we, we have friends from, from all different walks of life, all different sorts of beliefs. And, um, you know, but it's just, it's, it comes down to the, don't discriminate, especially against your own friends. Like, I mean, hear each other out, but it should be, you know, a choice for everybody on, on what to do, you know, um, and just to, to be a role model to the kids. And that comes down to the food thing again, that comes down mm -hmm. to the money thing again, you know, like try to as model as much as you know possible model. I know that you guys do a lot of like gardening and things like that. And we do that here too. We grow our own little carrots. We have a small backyard, you know, but 
we do what we can to like show the kids hands on, like this is how this actually is created. This, you know, they're coming into this world, they don't know. Like, I think there's a lot of assumptions that kids should know things at four years old and they don't, you know. You know, one of the uh, the rabbit hole ideas for Bitcoin that came about because it's really, you know, fix the money, fix the world. And Bitcoin is that truly worldwide ethical money that it doesn't matter if you have one Satoshi or a thousand coins or, you know, Michael Saylor amount of coins on the network, your vote is the same and mm-hmm. that will never change. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're researching concepts with, with Frida, one of the things that brought her also strengthened the Bitcoin connection was when she was, when the vaccines were coming out and she was looking at Moderna and she was looking at the Pfizer and the, the, the J and J and, I know Europe has a couple of other uh, options out there. And uh, when you start looking at where where the financing for all of this R&D technology came from, what it's all going into, whose pockets that's being redistributed into, once you go from the science of it down to the finances of it, of how it's actually coming into reality, it's this trail of money that leads right back to the central government, to the central banks, to the governments, to the the heavy hitters and in the Congresses and you know in those people, and they're just being lined with money hand over fist. And you just have to start asking yourself, why? Why is this happening? You know, is there another way? And if you ask yourself that question honestly and start the discussion with yourself on the most rudimentary way. Um, with you know with a kid's book or with uh, a game or with watching you know YouTube videos mm. it's impossible to not come to Bitcoin <laughs> it's really yeah. impossible it's it's really interesting that I want to add this that I believe really that Bitcoin is moral money money and it is money of the people mm-hmm. um, I, I have some some friends that I've been telling about Bitcoin for a while they're they're in it to get the quick fiat mm-hmm. fix they want to go in and they want to go out and they want to get the fiat fix and that's all they're in for and they they're not them i don't know if it's their mind or letting them or but somehow they don't want to grasp the bigger idea of it or maybe they have been told by society for so long that one individual does not make a difference anymore you know where that's completely wrong like and i feel like the bitcoin community does a great job of emphasizing this that actually us as individuals we create the crowd and therefore every individual counts. And that's why like, I call it the people's money. You know, I mean, one of the reasons why like the Orange Pill podcast maybe is, you know, like I do believe in God. So I think like God puts me in places for the right moments at the right time. But the first episode that I listened to is Stacy and Max. Stacy was talking about um, uh, a lady that, you know, was in a country, I believe it was Saudi Arabia or something. Um, she wasn't allowed to work in her country. She had an abusive husband and she needed to get out of this relationship. So she started blogging online in secret and earning Bitcoin online to be able to finally actually end her relationship with lawyer help and stuff like that, obviously, but get out of this abusive relationship. And just like me as a woman in general, you know, like I just love the story of just like the empowerment that it brought somebody, obviously, you know, like anything can be used for good and evil, right? But like this, this story really was close to my heart to say, this is, you know, like you put in the work, anybody can buy Bitcoin, like nobody's stopping anybody, right? And so, you know, 
go, go people, go. <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's, the, it's the education process of it. And you know, it, um, our generation and maybe, um, well, our kids' generation hopefully will be something that's different, but it's really important for our generation to help, to, to educate ourselves on what our parents' generation did to us and how that's going to affect our children. And the better that we can prepare our kids and help them understand what money is and how it's supposed to be used and how it had been used over 5,000, 7,000 years of social, of, you know, socialized, um, of, uh, you know, um, evolution as, as, as the human species, then they're going to have a better understanding on how to protect their futures. Because right now, you know, if, if you hold dollars in 10 years, you are guaranteed to lose purchasing power. If you hold a sound money like Bitcoin, you are almost guaranteed to increase purchasing power. And so you have to decide, do you wanna work harder every year to get ahead? Or do you wanna have the same value for your time today as in the future? Uh, you know, Michael Saylor does a great job of um, talking about Bitcoin and sound money as a representation of time. You know, there's that saying out there, time is money. And it means a whole new thing if you understand the concepts behind sound money and Bitcoin, because money literally is time. <laughs> it's a storage of time. It's like a time capsule that you can take into the future and open up. And whatever, whatever value you had in today's, you can at least have that value tomorrow versus, uh, versus less. And um, I think that that's a concept that people are starting to understand a little bit more, especially since the governments around the world pump so much money into the system. And we all saw our politicians get rich and we all saw, you know, all the values of mansions go sky high. And at the same time, we all saw all of our friends and families lose their jobs and um, have to go on uh, social, social systems um and the, the pricing of, of food and cars and homes and gas and education and all the things that we that we need on a day-to-day -day basis to survive go up in value and uh or go up in price excuse me that's that's another one of the pages i love about in, in the book is the, the one about money where he says how come all the boring things go up in price and all all of the fun stuff goes down in value and that is such a key fundamental idea kernel and again the, the the book is about giving people ideas on things that they're interested in that they can then go out and learn more about because you're never going to find one book that's going to give you all of the information you need to understand bitcoin or money or central banking or or government or anything else you know it's it's it has you have to be an active participant in the experience of life and what's what's coming at you and, and how to how to do the best you can while you're here. Yeah, the, the, the one thing that I wanna add with that is that I have yet to find a Bitcoiner that likes to sit on their couch and just drink beer all day, you know? Like even, <laughs> even- I drink beer during the podcast. I, 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 I do that during the podcast, but you know, that's my excuse. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, seriously, I think the people that, that are attracted to Bitcoin, mm -hmm. they actually like this idea of proof of work, you know? Mm -hmm. There, there is something where like, no, we don't work our butts off for, for nothing, but it is something where we are definitely interested in creating something in the world, leaving something in the world and making the next generation live in a better world. And I think that's, 
inherently, at least what that's what I get from the people that we've met through creating the book and through Bitcoin Twitter, at least the people I follow, you know, it is something that that has holds great like human value for me. So that's really something that's very attractive to me too around the space. That's yeah. I mean, I, there, there's so much there that you guys. I've been making notes, and and I want to come back to a few points because I don't want to wash over anything. Uh, and Frida, I'll, I'll come back to your uh, your little story when you were growing up and and meeting those people that had been in the concentration camps and and whatever else. It you you must have been. I, I'm I'm guessing you must have been around ten or something when when the wall came down in in your country. Like um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like talk about. The divisiveness, like, you know, again, people that are unwilling to draw the parallels of what's going on right now in modern time and has been going on this narrative that's been pushed for the last 18 months to two years has been to drive a wedge between communities, between families, uh, you know, that that's happened. You've seen that you've grown up under that, like a physical wall. I mean, I don't know if you were living in any close proximity to it, but um, it yeah. would have had a huge effect on the whole of your country and, and some of your family members. Do you remember that time when it came yeah. down and like uh, the feeling and how close you were to it and how did it affect some of your family members? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's actually a great story. How I got to be created is um, my dad actually lived on the opposite side of the wall. So I was in the free part, the West Berlin side. My dad, before I was born, obviously, was on the East Berlin side. He was a triathlete, uh, uh, you know, just very tall man. Like, I'm six feet tall, and he was like a six five or something. And he actually escaped by swimming in the middle of the night in his youth through the river that separated East and West Germany. And so um, I have that in my history, you know, for people to have to go through craziness to be, you know, living free. So that's, there's that. And then, you know, he came to the West part. He actually um, did phenomenal. I mean, he became a great doctor in Germany um, from nothing. And uh, he met my mom. They had me very young at 21. And um, yeah, I, when the wall came down, I was actually just around almost nine years old. So I was probably eight years old. Um, at that time, I remember at eight years old, I was allowed to ride the bus by myself in Germany. And uh, when the wall first opened the day off, you could not get into the bus because the streets were flooded from everybody coming from East Berlin, wanting to come to the West. Each person that came in as welcome money got hundred DMARCs at the time. They could spend in the, you know, in the, in the stores anywhere. And so there were items, you know, that you could not get on the East side before the wall came down. So the like things were sold out, like things like bananas, you couldn't get for, you know, a, like a week or two because people were just so like, that was such a rare item for them to ever see. And then later as I grew up, like in my early twenties, I actually had roommates that grew up on the, on the east side of Berlin that were now free. And they told me stories about their childhood, about, you know, standing in line for, I mean, like, you know, you can compare some Eastern Bloc countries nowadays, standing in line for three hours to just get groceries, things like that, right? So that, that, that is definitely like something where I think I've seen it live. I've talked to enough people live where this is not just like a storybook story, right? <laughs> um, and then, you know, with um, us being, you know, in, I think it was in fifth grade, fifth or sixth grade, 
um, you know, this man coming to see us for a whole week and just talking to us literally, you know, the whole school session for, you know, five days about his experience um, of being a Jewish member in society at that time. And he explained pretty much what's going on right now, or what I'm seeing right now, where, you know, it's like, one day you were free to go into the grocery store. The next day you were not free to go into the grocery store or you were only allowed to go in if you had a little symbol on your chest that was, you know, the, the yellow triangle. Um, you know, it's just like a lot of just similarities that are coming to mind. And, you know, mind you, the history of the Jews also back in the day of being discriminated against started with disease. And I think people don't have that understanding these days anymore. They're like, oh, it was different because, you know, there was this guy that was crazy, but this guy wasn't always crazy, right? This guy actually came into German power because the people were desperate for a strong leader and he brought great wealth to us, right? He built the Audubon and he did all these things that we could show off to the world of how great we are. And we looked really great to the outside as a country for a long time under his leadership until, you know, the coin flipped. And uh, what, yeah, what's, I mean, out, out of that, you know, we, uh, out of the, you know, Second World War leftovers, now we have the Nuremberg Code, right? Like if, if everybody should look up the Nuremberg Code, it, people don't know what the Nuremberg Code is nowadays and no leaders are talking about it. Why? Like, I don't understand, like why was this thing? Oh, <laughs> yeah, what is it? Um, the Nuremberg Code was essentially, uh, you know, created out of um, the, the leftovers of the war, you know, people being experimented on, the Jews being experimented on, um, against their consent, uh, being injected with certain things, um, saying that nobody um, can even consent to any experimental drugs if they're underage or they're not, you know, in, consent, in, in a mind to consent, and everybody should have a, a right to, to say, I don't want this. So that is worldwide, something that should actually apply. Obviously, China and other countries have not been following this, but there was an agreement amongst the countries to say this would never happen again. We would never experiment on anybody that cannot give consent. And I see it happen today with the kids. I see it happen today with the babies. And like, where are where are we there? Where is the country denouncing that? Mm -hmm. And it's all in the in this narrative of oh, it's for the greater good, which actually is a term that was used during the Nazi time as well, the greater good. And, you know, if you read those books, I mean, you know, I know some countries forbid, for example, um, Hitler's book, Mein Kampf, and I'm not saying, you know, like try to get it illegally or whatever, but if you get your hands on it, it might be a good read. Um, you know, the, the Diary of Anne Frank is a really great, free, great read for any kid these days, you know, to just understand a little bit what was going on and how slowly it moves. We're not saying this is going to, you know, go Hayworth and essentially tomorrow. You'll still have some rights today. But we'll look at this in three years, and it'll be a different story if we don't stand up. Yeah, one of the, one of the things about uh, the, the book, uh, Bitcoin Coin for Kiddos, that uh, we really like is it's kind of a, a historical documentation of the last uh, 15 years, uh, if you will, of, of, of the world. Um, from a from a financial sort of respect, you know, it's the world that created Bitcoin, and it uh, one of the things that we see happen a lot in the educational system is the the history keeps getting rewritten, depending on the narrative that uh, the powers that be want us to learn and remember, 
And like with the Nuremberg trials, when those came out, I mean, it was huge. It was global. It was on every newspaper. It was on every TV screen. They really highlighted it to make sure that it was ingrained in the world's population of the bad things that happened and how those things should never happen again. I mean, Frida's talking about, you know, the, the, the positive things that Hitler brought to Europe after um, the Treaty of Versailles and um, the Weimar Republic and the, the devaluation of the D-Mark and just the, the crippling effects that the Allies had put on Germany to where they just got really cynical and angry. And then here came this guy who had these really uh, crazy ideas who for a long time weren't getting any uh, traction because people were still living a fairly decent life. You know, now all of a sudden his ideas are starting to sound good because people are hungry, they're cold, they're bitter. They, they don't, they, they stopped having children. They started losing, um, uh, you know, uh, losing thinking about a future and what that could be. And there was no positivity. And then Hitler came into power and then he started the, the, the build back better approach to Europe, which was rebuild the infrastructure. Let's get some planes in the air. Let's build the industry. Let's build the freeways. Let's put people back to work and give them a, a reason for living. Um, and then, so all of that history seems to just be forgotten about now. It's, it's, it's not important. You know, when, he, when it's talked about, it's like, oh, well, you know, these happened before in the past, but that'll never happen again. And it's like, well, what do you mean? What, what happened in the past? Oh, well, you know, this stuff, you know, like what stuff? Yeah. Like, ah, well, I'll get back to you on that. Like nobody, it's, it's, it's so far in the past. Nobody's, hardly anybody's alive anymore today that was there then. Mm -hmm. You know, when, uh, on her story about meeting uh, some people from concentration camps, one of my first jobs out of college was working at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. And uh, I was working in uh, Los Angeles in the Hollywood office. Um, and I was driving a, a gentleman home into Beverly Hills. And I noticed on the inside of his forearm that he had a long series of numbers. Wow. And um, my brother and I had just come back from our uh, five-week European backpacking trip. And we went to Poland and we went to um, uh, all the concentration camps and just and what a sombering experience that was. And I was having this internal conflict in my mind. Like, do I ask him about it? Do I not ask him about it? Like, I don't want him to be offended, but I, I would feel really bad if I didn't ask him about it and always wonder about it the rest of my life. And so just before I dropped him off, I said, you know, I, I really apologize for asking you this, but um, I'm kind of a big uh, uh, historian or studier of World War II. And I notice your tattoo, um, were you in a concentration camp? And he goes, I was, I was in Dachau. And um, he was one of the last people to be put in there. So he wasn't there for very long, long enough to have an experience and get the tattoo and all that other kind of stuff before the allies um, freed them. But, you know, I mean, and then I didn't want to ask any more questions, you know, because that, that's, a, that's a whole nother rabbit hole that uh, I, didn't, I didn't feel either one of us wanted to get into. But it was just so great that he could have that experience, come to America, start from scratch, build a future, end up in a huge mansion in, uh, in, in Beverly Hills, in a very uh, good part of Beverly Hills. And, you know, it's like people need to feel that there's an opportunity for them to be better in the future. And if you can give people that American dream, which is getting harder and harder to, to see these days, you know, then, then you start, um, you know, things start happening. 
you know, Elon Musk just did an interview yesterday with uh, the Wall Street Journal, uh, a video interview interview that's going all over Twitter right now. And uh, in it, you know, he basically says people need to have more children. Otherwise, the entire country and the entire world is going down. And, uh, you know, basically what he was saying was people are losing focus on a more prosperous future. They don't see it anymore. And when they stop seeing that, they stop having kids because they don't want their children to raise up in a world that was less than what they they were raised in. Yeah. And uh, that, that needs to change. So, you know, Bitcoin can be a great uh, resource um, for people that are looking for more uh, for a more positive future. Mm. And uh, we hope that that message gets out. And, and the last thing on this, talking about um, uh, your experience in, in Germany, Frida, um, am I right in thinking, you know, the, the equivalent to today's like what they want to try and roll out, obviously, is a vaccine passport or health passport. Uh, the papers back then didn't was it not called a gesundheit pass like uh, yeah right yeah you posted that right that yeah. picture of yeah it was yeah. Gigi that put me onto that and and yeah. like that was just like i mean i've been down this this road of this is all completely wrong and blah 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 but then actually when you see that image if you just google gesundheit pass yeah. and what what is the literal translation in, in from gesundheit pass means health pass <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Take a look at one of those things with the Nazi symbol on it, and yeah. tell me history isn't repeating itself. If, oh, it if is a vaccine 100%. pass is not the fucking same as as that. Like it's yeah, it's madness. I mean, you know, if 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 you have gone down any of the rabbit holes, even on you know, let me just do the lighthearted one, which is the food industry for me. You know, mm. if you really look at what's going in our food and even you know that they're putting fluoride in the american drinking water you're in europe you're you don't have that yet um but if you look up fluoride and what it does and how it actually slows down your brain and makes you a little bit more numb and you know it's just it's just something that shouldn't be taken like you shouldn't even necessarily have it in your toothpaste you know and so if you started that and seeing like why would they do that you know is it all you know, some friends that are like, yes, there's evil people that are doing this for a purpose. I truly believe that there might be some, but I think it's also this whole notion that we are raised to not speak up and to just follow. And this blind following, that's what gets us into situations where people later on are like, oh, I did not have enough information to know that that was going on, you know? Um, yeah, but, I mean, and then also, you know, just like, Snowden being where he is still, you know, that's not obviously helping people to want to come out and speak up. <laughs> and that's, I think, is for a reason too. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's just something where it, it is tough to look at the world, at least for me, you know, it's very overwhelming when you go down the rabbit holes, each individual one, because there's a whole lot of information that you really scratch your head and you go, whoa, how did this come about? Whoa, why was this done, right? And it kind of like fits all together in this little puzzle, at least in my head. I always come back to the point where I can say, I can choose for my family. I can choose in what's in my you know, reach. And I can make sure that I educate people around me, especially those that actually have some questions and are willing to listen. And that's all I can do. 
you know, that's that's what I can do. But I think if every person would actually do that in their own surrounding and have those conversations and have those uncomfortable conversations, even with your own family, I think we would be much better off. And I think there would be a lot more, you know, actual communication. I think communication is something that we say we all talk to each other, but true communication is not what's really happening in society anymore. And people don't really seek it. And, you know, it, it'll be tough. And like we've, we're raised to like have these communications that everything should always be fine and people should always get along, you know, but that's not how we learn. And I can tell you that within our family, even just, you know, just trying to talk to Chris's brother, Chris's dad, to my aunt, my uncle about, you know, Bitcoin. They're just like, oh, that's great for you kids, you know? <laughs> yeah, just be careful. <laughs> and we send them all these articles, you know, and then it becomes more and more mainstream. And, and then it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, like a year later, oh, yeah, I knew that. I knew that was happening, you know, when two years prior, that was, it was met with such resistance, you know, so it's just like that gentle easing of just being so programmed to listen to only certain outlets, you know, I mean, ask, you know, major pushback that we get is, oh, well, I don't understand Bitcoin. I don't understand everything about Bitcoin. I've read up a little bit and I don't understand it. And then you go, well, do you understand our current credit card system, right? But you use that every day. You don't understand it, but you use it, right? And I'm not saying you have to buy and blindly. There should definitely be something that makes sense to you, um, especially on a moral level, I think. Like you have to have that understanding that this is actually, you know, something that could provide for your family in the future in a better way. Um, where hopefully, you know, I hate to use that term, but it's like, it's almost like we are currently enslaved in this fiat world, right? If I stop doing what I'm doing today, there's not much longer that I can keep my family alive, so to speak, right? And again, I don't, I don't believe that inherently people are lazy or they don't want to work or they don't want to do this. This is like the narrative that's going on. Oh, people are lazy. We have to incentivize them and blah, blah, blah. No, no. People are inherently born very intelligent, very capable, very wanting to produce. But if you put them into this little box, you know, it's like an animal that you put into a box with nothing. Now, obviously, they're not going to produce or want to do anything, right? So yeah. you Sorry. put them in. You put them into that box. You you put them into that box from the age of five, and you keep them in there yeah. for fifteen to twenty years. This is yeah. this is the the thing. That's where it all starts. Um, and, you know, I, I've talked about this at length on other podcasts, but uh, anyone can go and Google John Taylor Gatto, Six Purposes of Schooling, and the number one purpose is obedience. That's it. No. It's not about your education. Yeah. Never was. Never, ever was. You know, the, the yeah. schooling system was born from the, the Prussian model uh, in the late 1800s um, when they were trying to build uh, workers and military. And this is exactly the same thing we have today. That's the why the education system looks the way it does. Um, it's not a conspiracy. It's very well documented. Uh, there are many, many books written on this from very different um, sources. Uh, and this is why we end up with uh, a population that are unwilling to have those tough conversations that you talked about because they don't want to be put in a, a position of challenging authority you, you, like again you don't do that from your first day at school right that's the first thing obedience yeah. and when that clicks in your mind everything else clicks in your mind um i was listening to breed love 
and Gladstein today on their Petrodollar Deep Dive on the What Is Money podcast. Uh, and Breedlove pulled their quote out. I don't know who to credit it to, and I'm going to butcher it, but it was something along the lines of, if you see something that you don't understand, like a situation that you can't understand, look at the the outcome of that situation, and then you can probably infer the uh, you know the, the plan the, the whole time. So, like, if you if you look at what's going on now, what do we have? Complete mass confusion. No one knows what to do. Hysteria, uh, psychosis. Like nobody can make um, a decision. That the divisiveness across the whole world. Okay, if that's the outcome, I guess that was the plan. And then you're like, okay, straight line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a book that one of my uh, one of my customers referred to me when we got into this conversation. You know, it's talking about money is one of those things where you kind of got to feel out the other party and mm-hmm. kind of see where they're at because you don't want to like say something. It's to very taboo, days. right? It's very taboo, yeah. and it's yeah. even like uh, you know, it'd be very taboo between like uh, talking to the German side of the family to talking to the uh, American side of the family to talking to French people to talking to English people. It's a crazy minefield. Yeah, yeah. So, but once you do kind of get a good sense of where things are at, you know, and you start asking, going over what you think of, is that line to ask questions. Anyway, during one of these conversations, um, uh, a book was referred to me called uh, The Killing of Uncle Sam. And it talks about Cecil Rhodes back in the 1700s and his master plan of enslaving uh, South Af- or South America and Africa, and it was during the colonial times and how to rob their resources and bring them back here and, and to do all those things. And you still see Cecil Rhodes talked about today. I mean, there's statues of him in England and he's kind of like, a, um, well, I mean, you're an English guy, right? So you're familiar with him, but I wasn't familiar with him until I read this book to kind of get it. And when you look at kind of the ideology about what's trying to be pushed into society today, you can relate a lot of those concepts and a lot of those things back to Cecil Rhodes' initial writings and, and talkings to Parliament about 300 years ago and how it was they're playing the long game here. And, um, you know, I was listening to somebody today and he was talking about, uh, he was on the Joe Rogan um, podcast. I can't remember who the gentleman was, but he was saying, you know, what a, what a sophisticated society will do is they will take you right to the point where you start uh, lashing out and they'll stop and they'll let you cool down and then they'll go further until you start lashing out again and then they'll stop and then they'll do it again. So it's this long progression of these slow changes over time until you look back and you go, oh my God, look at all these freedoms I lost. Look at all this. Mm -hmm. This world is not the same world anymore. And I just let it happen because I wasn't strong enough to, um, self-aware enough to continue the fight before it became a war you know now it's something much bigger Mm -hmm. and um that's actually yeah sorry like a year ago um i sat chris down and i said you know we need to make a list of things that are not to be happening to this family and even though that list I've, I wrote it physically down part of it, but we have agreements as to certain things that will not happen with our kids, certain things that never under any circumstances are we going to do this, uh, you know, and we're very much on the same page to say, you know, whatever it takes, whatever we have to make it work as a family, you know, we will make work. And I think um, that a lot of folks out there, you know, 
maybe putting the job at like a higher staple than their own family at this point. And um, that's something that maybe one should look at. Um, the one thing that I wanted to add with you that you mentioned earlier on, you know, going down the rabbit holes and having that knowledge that I can tell you that this programming that we experience from a very young age, even though you have the knowledge over things, applying it or taking action on it is the second step. And like, you have to just surrender. <laughs> and it's just, it's one of those things that it's even in my household today, you know, we've known each other since we were 16, for God's sakes, Chris will come home with his chips that I won't name brand names, but I'm just like, honey, you know how much crap is in there? Like <laughs> Nacho cheese Doritos, they're my yeah. favorite. I, a couple times a year, I just have to devour a bag. And it's just like, <laughs> what, you know, and, and I get it, you know, if it's around you, it's really hard to like, zone it out you know if we were living in a different country growing our own foods in our backyard you know that would be a like that wouldn't happen right but it's also what's normalized around you and I think I, I come back to that where it's like the normalization of things that's what Chris just mentioned you know just pushing a little bit pushing a little bit making making you adapt to normal you know to I, what is it to create a new habit it takes like three months to create a new habit right so if you really just adjust something a little bit and then it's mm -hmm. like becomes your new habit, you've adapted it and it can be taken in positive or negative, right? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. go go on a workout routine and do it for three months. You'll probably be fine for a while. Or wear but, a face yeah. diaper for three months and, you know, you'll never right. take one off again in your life. Like, the, yeah. And, and put them on, put them on kids. That, so they get used is, to wearing these things it, on their faces. Like, what the hell are we doing? And yeah. that's how they get us is because we would love to travel. You know, I had uh, some family members that just passed away um, in Indiana and we're in California and I can't go visit them there because I want to bring, be able to bring my family, but I won't put my, you know, four-year-old and my one-year-old in a, in a face mask. And I know they say the one-year-olds don't need face masks on planes, but it depends on the stewardess that's on the plane at that moment to either be super, you know, rigid in their regulations or a little bit more humanistic in their approach. And um, it's just, we, we, won't, we won't do that. I mean, we go to the grocery store, we don't wear face masks. We drop our kids off at school, we don't wear face masks. You know, everybody else is wearing it, but nobody says anything to us, you know, because I think, I think they get it. They just- Not everybody. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, we you really- have to, You have to lead by example mm -hmm. um, in, in yeah. this society. And if you don't, then you'll continue to get what you've been getting, sadly. Um, and, and, and I think it comes down to, you know, this is not just like some blind pushback. This is not like, oh, we don't want to be obedient to something. And this is not like a blind pushback. This is actually hours and hours and hours. Like, I mean, two, two years now. I mean, I started researching this stuff probably when we're in lockdowns, um, like three and a half months after we were in lockdown. So I was like, okay, let me, let me read some stuff. And, and, and from there, it really started to be, um, I, I just have found so much evidence that this does not make sense. Like, I mean, nobody can explain to me to this day why it makes sense for somebody to wear a face mask on an airplane, but then take it off while you're drinking and eating, then to put it back on. Like, if you tell me that's something else, but obedience, I don't know. Like, I would love to talk to that researcher that, that has like, done a research on that, you know? Like, I mean, if you give me the evidence and you tell me it's actually working, that's great. You know, I happen to be on a very natural, um, even with my doctors, I see naturopaths and, you know, natural doctors. and you know, they have just seen a strong evidence that people are actually coming in sicker than ever and not from the coronavirus, you know, just from wearing 
actual face masks every day. You know, lots of respiratory issues that are developing there. I think I'm preaching to the crowd here. I know your listener base probably is on the same page as us here, but yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, and nobody's working in a hospital, so nobody's following proper procedures the whole time. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people walking in the grocery store or at an airport or, or whatever, and they pull their face mask to cough, and then they put their face mask back on, or to sneeze, and then they put their face mask back on, or, you know, it's under their chin, or it's over, uh, over their nose, but under, you know, uh, above their mouth, like it's like nobody's, these things are not airtight barriers. They're not. And it takes some, I think it takes some a gut in some areas to be able to even cross that line and to be able to have a confrontation potentially. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, you know, when the regulations were kind of lifted at the beginning, you know, we did the whole spiel, we did it all. We were like, okay, well, you know, let's do it. I guess if that's helping society, let's do it. Right. And I started going into grocery stores when they weren't officially declaring that the face mask, you know, weren't okay anymore. And I, and I went in just during the day, there's like five people in the grocery store and me, right? Like I'm keeping my distance. I'm not coming onto anybody. I'm not, you know, doing anything um, as far as distancing. And, you know, somebody yelled at me, like literally halfway through the grocery store, this older lady yelled at me at the top of her lungs, like, what are you doing? You have to wear your mask. And I look over at her. And she actually has her mask pulled underneath her chin while she's yelling at me. <laughs> so right then I was just like, what is this world? <laughs> so anyways, but. There's your psychosis right there. And, and Chris, yeah. you were talking about the, uh, the um, Joe Rogan episode with uh, Jordan Peterson. Uh, it's a great yeah. episode. If nobody's watched that, it's a brilliant episode. And it's, a, it's an oldie, right? I think it's like 2018, 19 or something. Um, if we if we've watched the same episode, yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I just saw that little that little clip uh, right. on Twitter, but his face stuck in my mind because mm. he just uh, he was just recently orange pilled by by Michael Saylor, I think. By safe, it was. It's by safe today. By, by safe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 By, by safe, yeah, yeah. And I that was a that was an awesome podcast. Yeah, uh, it's um, um, yeah, it's great. It it's, it's great to see uh, you know so many um, higher. Well, uh, widely followed people, I would say, because you know, I think he has like 4 million subscribers on his YouTube channel alone. So, the, you know, he has an audience. And yeah. know, to, to have done that interview, to have invited Safe onto his show uh, to expose, um, you know, Safe Dean and his work uh, with the fiat standard, Bitcoin standard to his listeners uh, and viewers. I mean, we're going to be in a very, in a much different place uh, in two years time, you know, what, once the ripple effect of all of this starts playing out and Sailor was on Tucker Carlson the other day, this is stuff yeah, we was... couldn't have dreamed of a year ago. Like, yeah, and that no was way. The, the first interview that my dad listened to, and he's one of those guys at the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or the Financial Times doesn't tell him to go buy Bitcoin, then that's a good investment. He won't mm-hmm. believe it, but he watches Tucker every night. And so, uh, I sent him that interview and he watched the whole thing and uh, he has a de- my dad has a degree in aeronautical maintenance so he does understand the uh, uh-huh. the engineering side of the way that sailor likes to talk and uh, his comments back were, were were comical because he goes yeah I uh, he, in a text he just goes yeah I, I listened to the whole interview it was uh, very interesting gave me some food for thought I thought that sailor uh, his uh, understanding of history 
was uh, similar to mine. Now that I've read most of uh, D- D- Jekyll, uh, the creature from Jekyll Island, and I was just laughing, and I was like, "Well, you know, uh, I'm glad that you agree with, uh, you know, an MIT, you know, grad uh, astrophysicist, you know, mathematician yeah. and historian. You know, I'm glad that your, you know, rudimentary his, you know, understanding matches his. He's found a soulmate. But, you That's know, great. It, yeah, you know, it, yeah, but it, but it, it takes those little things, those little yeah. orange pilling events. You know, like I hit a wall with him a long time ago, and mm-hmm. I told him, I said, "Hey, I already know I'm the crazy, I'm the crazy one in this family, uh, who just doesn't shut up about Bitcoin, and as much as they keep telling me to." I'm like, "Nope, I'm going to keep talking about this until I'm blue in the face." You know, and I've been talking about it since 2017 when it was eighteen hundred dollars a coin. You know, and even now when it's stabilizing at $50,000 a coin. They're still like, I think it's really risky. It's kind of like a tulip. You know, you should really watch out. You should take some money off the table. Oh, yeah, <laughs> take the money off the table. Like, you know, and again, to, to steal Sadler's original analogy of, um, of melting ice cubes, right? You know, he that's how he described his $500 million war chest at MicroStrategy, just sitting there like a bunch of melting ice cubes if if you manage to sell your melting ice cubes are you ever going to buy them back like you know further down the line like that's kind of something you're happy to be rid of right that's not something you go and looking for again on the the secondary market well i wonder where those melting ice cubes are that i sell uh, <laughs> because they're going to have melted a bit more uh you know it, it, or you can buy back even you know a melting glacier you know where's that going to get you it's um once you once you moved on from that fiat mindset you're so happy to be rid of it and and this brings me back to Frida what you were talking about that that little anecdotal story about um the the lady in uh, in Saudi Arabia that uh, Stacy was talking about on on her on her mm-hmm. podcast with Max um finding a way to to earn bitcoin or to to save in bitcoin to free herself from this overreaching overpowering relationship we are all that Saudi woman right now, you know, mm-hmm. all of us, because the overreach and the, the, the authoritarian totalitarian rule that is being pushed on us right now is a stark warning that we need that money that we have earned to be able to buy our freedom. And there's only one asset that can do that. And it's Bitcoin. It's, mm-hmm. it's here. And it's, and that's why you're writing these kind of books, right? This is right. Yeah, it's the non-negotiable. It's the page in there where the guy's sitting at the top of the ivory tower, and he's like, "Hey, don't go anywhere. You know, I got, I got more money for you. You know, I can, I can pay for your happiness." And you know, us Bitcoiners or people who are going down that road, we just go, "Now, nah, you know, we've been by. You can, you can keep it. Like we got, we're gonna go this way for a while. We're good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And of course." the you know the, the the people that fled uh the the regime in in the 40s you know the jewish people that mm. kind of sensed what was happening they had to flee and they had to flee quickly and they couldn't take their property with them and they couldn't take their uh you know if they, if they even had gold bars or you know that their wealth had been stored it they, they couldn't take that either um it's a different story yeah. now we have this we have this bearer asset that you know we can lock away in a very very handy little hardware wallet or even in our heads if we need to 
and uh, you know, move jurisdiction. It, how people, to your point again, Frida, how people cannot draw the line between what's happening and the transitions that we're going through um, directly back to those days or you know, days even before that is, is kind of beyond me. But um, anyway, what's the next book, guys? Well, we've we've been talking about that. Oh, we have oh. <laughs> uh, no, no, nothing I'm willing to uh, give away here. I don't want to disappoint anybody. We have ideas, so something is going to come up. And also, you know, we 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 do see a lot of people looking at our website internationally, and we understand that for some, the shipping price might be a little bit too tough. We we've consciously decided for this book to not be a digital version because we do truly believe that for this you know, for this one, it has a lot of pictures that should actually be read we on the coffee table. With, uh, yeah, it should be read in bed for your kids or, you know, lay on the coffee table for your friends. It should be an interactional book, but we are creating something that will be in the digital realm that people can download internationally for cheaper. So yeah, we're, we're, we, we heard you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's a bunch of people out there at the moment doing doing work you know, within the, the realm of educating kids. Yeah. How have you found the community uh, of, of other people doing doing this kind of work? Um, you know, perhaps like the Shamari guys and uh, Scott and, and Mallory. And... We actually, yeah, we actually, uh, we actually got their game. Our son really, really likes that game. He, he calls it the monster game. Can we play the monster game again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, we, we love that. We love we love all the different ideas that people brought up. Um, we checked out uh, one other book. I forget which one it is. It's downstairs. Um, but yeah, like I mean, it's 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 a great community. I mean, generally, just Bitcoin community is a good community. Yeah, we've had uh, quite a few customers that have either bought copies to donate to their local libraries, um, or doctors that are putting it in their patients' uh, waiting room. Hoping and literally hoping that they get stolen so that they can buy more. <laughs> yeah. uh, there have been people who have bought them for uh, you know, military uh, veterans to uh, to give to them and their families. Um, you know, with the with the international community, it's been so great because yeah, the the shipping right now on how we have it set up, and we we're always looking for cheaper ways to ship to people. But you know, it can be the total. You know, the book is fifteen dollars, but with shipping, it can be thirty dollars. And we've actually seen no shortage of appetite for people who are looking for content for their children to pay that. And yeah. we don't receive a dime from any of the shipping stuff. That's just straight shipping company um, stuff. But uh, just the, the the amount of the, the type of countries that people are ordering from. It's it's you know it's Singapore, it's Thailand, it's Dubai, it's uh, a lot of people from Lebanon are looking at the book. You know, it's 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 Egypt, it's Europe, it's South America, it's it's global. Um, even though the book is written in English and it, the the money in it is more realistic to the U.S. dollar, the concepts within the book really translate well throughout the world, and especially in those economies where uh, the governments are playing fast and loose with their local currencies. Um, and uh, so it, that's that's really been a a great thing to see because. When we wrote the book, we weren't sure what the community was going to think about it. We didn't know if we had something there or not. And we just kind of had to put it out there and see what happened. And um, just through so far word of mouth marketing, um, the, the, word, the message about the book is really starting to, to get out and pick up steam. And it's been, it's been exciting. 
And also it's really cool for us to see, and we cannot post some of that stuff because people ask us not to, but we get these little videos of their kids, Very like actually cool. reading, the, reading the book back to them. Yeah. And it's just like the cutest stuff. If you see like the little, you know, five-year-old, like explaining to dad, you know, what's happening here with the rabbit and, <laughs> and just like little things. And, you know, and then even our son, just like, you know, wanting to read the book, like we have probably 60 books in his bedroom that he can choose from. And a lot of the nights, you know, he will be like, oh, I want this one. So it's kind of cool to see that like the kids like the illustrations and that they can, you know, relate. And, yeah. you know, my son, he, our son, he loves the bulldozer in the book. You know, that's his page. He loves the, the bulldozer. So, yeah. It's that the, the shipping thing is such a pain in the ass because um, yeah. a, a story from, from my side, uh, I used to um, sign books and, and send them out like personally to people uh, that, um, that show an interest in the book. And, you know, I'd happily send them a copy. Uh, and I would go down to the post office. I would just literally put it in a manila, manila envelope, put the thing on there, send it off to California, whatever. And the lady would, they always ask you, you know, what, what is the package? Oh, it's a, it's a book. Okay. Um, well, what kind of book? Well, it's a, like, I don't, it's, you know, and I'm doing this in franglais as well. Right. So I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to explain. And, uh, the, the first lady that, that, uh, helped me out, um, I just explained, oh, it's a book about, um, our travels and, you know, our life and quitting the rat race and blah, blah, blah. And she was very mm -hmm. interested. And, uh, she just looked at me, she said, um, it's written in English, I suppose. I said, yes. She said, okay, if you, if you ever post this off again, just make sure you, you tell me it's a book written in French. I'm like, okay, why? She said, well, to ship this in French, it's two and a half euros to ship it in any other language between 12 and 15. <laughs> what? what really she's like <laughs> yep so i carried this ruse on for i don't know nine months 18 months every time i would go down to the, the post office you know what is this book sir blah blah c'est un livre okay da 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 c'est un livre français oh we oui, 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 <laughs> blah 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 you know yeah off you go two and a half euros then they bring in overnight countrywide um windowed envelopes so they can see Ooh. if it's a book or a brochure or some kind of literary uh literature yeah. excuse me what language it's in and then you get stung and so i i would be paying 12 and a half 13 euros or something for a book i'm yeah. selling on amazon for eight bucks <laughs> I'm like, okay yeah. guys you guys can go fuck yourselves the gig's up now um <laughs> <laughs> it's mental like can, yeah what is what is that if not nationalism and, and populism you know call that whatever you like that, that this and, and is that a relic left over from like a, some stupid rule or is that put in place why would they change the the, the envelopes though if you know right it's mad. i mean we have the thing we have the thing with obviously everything that's going on in australia right now you know back in august when the book came out we had a couple of initial buyers and we had no problem shipping there at the shipping rate, which is still, you know, huge. It's like, I think $16 normally to ship to Australia from here. And now, um, ever since the end of September, I believe, there's restrictions that do not allow us to go for the lower shipping rate any longer. Mm -hmm. so the, the cheapest we can ship to Australia right now is around $42. How is and that possible? 
that is too and they, they yeah. get it there for 42 dollars, but they won't get it there for 15 dollars. and so obviously there's a lot of people you know disappointed because we cannot ship to australia for, unless we do a higher rate i always suggest you know people like pull themselves together and you know just ship to one address a couple copies because the shipping really doesn't exponentially go higher you know you can ship like mm -hmm. six books for the same cost and then 10 books you know for like five bucks more than that so it kind of like evens out but yeah, if people are interested, just know, like, in Australia, it's a little bit. Some, some people are savvy about that. and they, They're finding ways to game the system. Like, we got one order the other day, and Frida was like, look at this address right here. And I was reading through it, and it was like, to such and such, uh, no room number. It literally said, like, no room number, send to this, like, hotel. And I was like, oh, well, this is obviously somebody who's, who's flying in, staying at this hotel. They want the book to get them, to meet them there. So that they don't have to pay the higher shipping rate. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you know, that's cool. But that goes back to what you were saying. You know, when you find out what the outcome is, you can go backwards mm -hmm. and kind of figure out what the thought process behind it was. So if I want to ship, if I want to ship a book now to the UK, it could cost me anywhere between I don't know five to fifteen euros just a just a book to the UK across the yep. channel, right? If yeah. I shop around on Ryanair and find the right ticket, I can probably book the, I can probably get the book a seat <laughs> for eight euros one way and just like turn up at the airport and put, you know, could you check this in, please? And like, it, this is how <laughs> retarded it is. It's a scam. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And yeah. it's killing projects like this, right? It's, yeah. um, imagine how many more books you could be shipping around the world if people weren't having to pay these freaking ridiculous charges. 100%. So yeah. if, if, if anybody out there is creating the Bitcoin shipping company. Yeah, we need a Bitcoin drop shipping be, company. That, that's needed. So if anybody has it, please hit us up. Uh, we are on Twitter at Bitcoin for kiddos. You, but the actual handle is Bitcoin for kid double D one. So Bitcoin for kid with the number spelled one. out for in the number one at the end. Yeah. And that Twitter handle will be in the title right up front. So people can come on. Yes, and, and you can buy the book in Bitcoin. You just have to fill out your contact information and then pick that option after you get through that page. We've gotten a lot of questions about uh, can we pay with Bitcoin? Because on the original on the initial page, it, it only has for quick quick payments with Google or Apple or um, PayPal. But there are more options to pay. Will, will you, you be able to Will you be able to hit any of the conferences that are going on and like take a big bucket load of boxes and, and like, um, you know, up a store uh, or something? this year it's going to be tough because our kids are so young. We're mm -hmm. hoping maybe next year um, when they're a little bit older, because um, we'll probably have to, they'll have to stay by themselves for a while. So they got to be comfortable doing that. Um, All right, well, we just got to find a pleb that's going to Bitcoin uh, 2022 that's happy to to help you out. And um, 100%. So, 100%. Yes, if yeah, anybody 100%. wants to, if anybody wants to help out Chris and Frida, shoot them a DM. <laughs> and uh, you yeah, know, we are let, in California. So if you want to travel with some books, we're happy to give you some. Yeah, that'd be great. Right. Any plebs going from California across to Miami or any other conferences, you um you you can load up a, a box of books for them i suppose and that, that they can Dude take kids. the point of sale and you know you'll figure it out yeah yeah just yeah. just watch the movie the mule you'll get it right there right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you a suitcase full of books yeah in air quotes yeah exactly all right guys well um is there anything else that uh, that, that needs covering? Uh, it's been an incredible episode. Really enjoyed it, um, getting to know you both and uh, and your past and uh, your rabbit hole story and the inspiration for writing the book. But um, 
of course, I, I have one last question to ask you both. You probably know what that is. But before I ask you, have we covered everything that you wanted to cover around the project? I, I guess I just wanted to mention the website. So it's just mm -hmm. bitcoinforkiddos.com if you want to find us, because we don't really come up in the Google search engines quite nicely yet. So yeah, bitcoinforkiddos.com. Is... Yeah, check it out. It's not just for kids. It's written like a kid's book, but there's a lot of concepts in it that adults can really dive into. Um, the feedback from adults has almost been greater than the feedback from children um, in, in that regard. Um, you know, there's bring it to your next Christmas party, bring it to uh, your next uh, birthday party or your next social event. And it's, it's just a great conversation starter piece. It's, it's really easy to understand. And it, as, as you know, it's very um, uh, it's 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 not confrontational at all. So uh, no matter where you are on your journey of money, um, you can pull bits and pieces from it that um, will help you think about the world in a in a new better way yeah we've had people like buy them as christmas gifts for their office for all their co-workers and things like that so <laughs> that's kind of fun you know it's kind of like a gag gift but not like a gag the, gift the secret santa gift right. that's yeah. right yeah. yeah all right if you had one orange pill left to give to someone who'd you give it to and why frida go oh man you know what? I've listened to so many of your podcasts and I really did not think about this answer. <laughs> so why, who, who would I want to orange pill? Um, you know, I, I generally think that it would be great to orange pill, you know, heads of countries um, to just understand what it is, how it could help us. Now, that is always in the respect to say that they actually don't want to do us evil. So let's say Biden was really, really not trying to be an evil person and doing good, I think he would deserve to be orange pill because if that was happening, a lot of things hopefully would change. We would get him down the rabbit hole if he's willing to go. I know this is a far, far-fetched one and it's probably not gonna happen, but hey, like I'm trying here. <laughs> yeah, love it. Yeah, I'm kind of on the uh, similar approach, you know, listening to a lot of your interviews, people are talking about, you know, professional athletes and uh, coaches and uh, a lot of uh, inspirational people and uh, mentors to them. But uh, I kind of think, yeah, if like a Jay Powell or a Janet Yellen were, uh, were orange filled, they could really help open up at least the conversation about uh, regulation and um, on ramps and on ramps and off ramps into the cryptocurrency space and the whole, you know, stable coin and um, just ease of, of, of using Bitcoin. I mean, if they came on and they were like, okay, we're on board with this. You know what? I think you're right. This, this is classified as an asset, but maybe if it was classified more like a currency, like El Salvador, I mean, I think you'd have Silicon Valley uh, uh, cities popping up all over the United States and it would just be, you know, game on. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for your work. Uh, it's a great book. People definitely need to go and check it out. Um, uh, at, my kids love it, as you know. Uh, so a huge thanks from, from myself and uh, look forward to meeting you both one day in, uh, in real life um, at one of these conferences whenever we get the chance to start traveling and we're allowed into the US. Yeah, <laughs> We look sure. forward to that day. Thank you so right, much. Guys, have a great thank day. You. Thanks for your time. You too. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening and thank you again 
Chris and Frida, for giving up your time and coming on the show to talk about your work. Thanks for the book. The book is amazing. Everybody, go check it out. Support your Bitcoin, your fellow Bitcoin plebs that are giving back to the community. Shipping costs be damned. Or like I said at the end there, if you are based in that uh, on the west side of the US and you can reach out to Chris and Frida and you're heading across the conference or any of these other meetups, whatever it is, help a pleb out, you know, just just reach out, DM them and see if you can take along some of their books. And more importantly, let's go back to the middle of the interview there where Frida was talking about growing up on one side of the wall and the divisiveness that is uh, being pushed upon us right now. It is being engineered, plebs. Stay strong. Put your chin up. Put your chest out. It's time to fight. Stack your Bitcoin and fight for freedoms. Fight for human rights because this is just, you know, it leaves me speechless that we're in these times or in these troubles. Anyway, I want to end on a high. Everybody have a great lead up to the Christmas period. Spend some time with the family. Forget the freaking rules that you are being told to follow. It's time to take back the power. Stack as many sats as you can. Support the show sponsors. SwanBitcoin.com. New sponsors, BitcoinReserve.com. Relay.ch. CoinCorner.com. All forward slash Bitten. If you want to take a box of those books across to the conference, get your ticket. Use Bitten at checkout for a 10% discount. And please make sure you are taking control of your coins. ShiftCrypto.ch forward slash Bitten for that all-important Bitcoin-only Bitbox O2 hardware wallet.